Welcome to the Advanced Persistent Security Podcast, where we discuss the world of IT and cybersecurity. Don't be left in the dark about what's going on in the world around you. Here is your host, Joe Gray. Hello and welcome. Today we are going to be discussing the first major attack upon Apple, the cyber landscape in the federal arena, U.S.-China cyber relations, and I've got a special surprise for you at the very end. So, to get started, we're going to talk about the first major attack on Apple's App Store. So, it's the first time anything has really happened to the App Store since its inception, or at least the first thing that's been publicly admitted. We've determined that about 300 malware-infected apps were removed from the App Store, despite going through the stringent app review process. There are thousands of apps turned in daily to Apple, but there had been very few apps with malware in them. So it comes back to a thing called Xcode Ghost that was found in legitimate apps. The code tricks developers wanting to use Apple's genuine Xcode into downloading the counterfeit version. So essentially, the malware was based on shortcuts taken by developers. It was uploaded to servers in China, Apple has removed the apps that they have known to be created with the counterfeit software, and most of the apps were mostly popular in China, most notably an app called WeChat. This comes at a vital time because Chinese President Jinping was in the United States this past week. With our analysis, basically you should just review all your apps, specifically if you use the WeChat 6.2.5 And honestly, you should always want to keep your apps and software up to date. Whether it's a PC, Android, iOS device, it doesn't matter. You should keep them up to date. Furthermore, you should always have some sort of malware protection on your device. If you want malware protection for an Android, Avast is your best route. There are several options available for Apple, including F-Secure, I think it's called F-Safe, and McAfee has a solution as well. Those are not the only two. They're just the two I know of. There's a forum on Mac Rumors. If you go to the blog post at advancedpersistentsecurity.net slash blog, you can find a link to Mac Rumors, and that will tell you all the apps listed. If you have any of them, you should delete them immediately, and you should probably change all your passwords immediately. It's undetermined if any of the data has been leaked, but you should do a factory reset if you think you are subject to the attack. Sit tight. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be back to discuss the cyber landscape in the United States federal government arena. Are you looking for a place to advertise to the unique audience of IT security professionals and enthusiasts? Look no further. Advanced Persistent Security is seeking sponsors. This slot could be yours. Contact sales at advancedpersistentsecurity.net for more information. Thank you for sticking around. Welcome back. Now we're going to discuss the cyber landscape today. So this was a new type of format that I used earlier in the week because there weren't really any attacks or anything significant of that sort to talk about. So we decided to discuss the cyber landscape of today. We no longer stress the relationship of clients and servers We live in a pivotal time in the evolution of security. Conventional wisdom is kind of 
outdated, antiquated. In some cases, it's even considered to be a threat. The Department of Defense has been working over the past few years to increase their cyber presence everywhere. They created Cyber Command, which is a sister agency to NSA. They have the same commander. We have a change of culture that is needed to protect against threats in a rapidly changing cyber domain, said the chief information officer, CIO, of the DOD. Basically, they've de- they've determined what everybody else already knew. With a minimal investment, maybe even as cheap as a computer, a laptop even, an attacker, it could be a loaner, it could be state-sponsored, could cost the DOD millions of dollars if it's a successful attack. They could use things like Kali Linux, they could use Metasploit, anything that's out there that's free. They could even use homegrown code. In 2013, Cyber Command had a four-year sprint to bring in about 130 new cyber teams involving about 6,200 people. Don't quite think it's there yet, but it is definitely growing. So now the Pentagon is working on an electronic system to provide an overview of all military computer networks, weapon systems, and installations. Ultimately, this is coming under the premise of Cyber Command and DISA, Defense Information Systems Agency. This is definitely in response to escalating and probing attacks from China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, etc. The Army and the Navy are both working to train their defense teams, and then obviously you have people like Edward Snowden and Bradley Manning that drags everything back a little bit. This also was posted prior to the Chinese president visiting the United States. A lot of people think that China is behind the attacks on Blue Cross Blue Shield and OPM. It's speculated that the U.S. and China were going to talk about a cyber arms control agreement, which we will talk about later in the next segment. The other thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that we see all sorts of stuff about every candidate specifically Donald Trump on TV. We've already had two televised debates for the Republican Party, and we've not heard a whole lot about cybersecurity. We've heard a little bit here and there, not a whole lot. This is a hot-button issue, especially if the U.S. were behind Stuxnet, the worm that essentially crippled Iran's nuclear program. There's a lot of talk about the military and international relations, especially with the more hostile countries like North Korea, Russia, Iran, etc. They did talk a lot about Iran's nuclear program, but I found an article in the Concord Monitor. Uh, It's by a gentleman by the name of Art Coviello. I think I pronounced it correctly. I don't know. But nonetheless, he said, over the coming election cycle, we should be looking for candidates who are willing to attack this issue head on with comprehensive policy positions that address the concerns and needs of all constituencies. The private sector that controls 85% of our nation's critical infrastructure, law enforcement that strives so hard to protect us from unseen enemies and criminals, our departments of Homeland Security and Defense, which along with our intelligence agency, must find and stop terrorists and defend us from nations that would harm us economically or physically, citizen consumers and privacy advocates who have legitimate concerns about our personal freedoms and how our personal information is used, and our allies who should be working more closely with us against the whole spectrum of adversary. That is a very good summary. So we need to look at cybersecurity because it is in everything. It is within the critical infrastructure, Department of Energy. I covered that in a previous podcast and a previous blog post. The intelligence agencies have limited power, which is fine, 
they shouldn't overreach that power to be able to find and thwart those attacks. But we need to look at it from a perspective of it's not just a f- economic problem anymore. It could be a physical problem. If they were to shut down the power grid, it would be absolute chaos. But some candidates may make their stances on cybersecurity a little bit more known in the coming weeks. We are attempting to get comments from the teams of the top candidates on both the Republican-Democrat tickets, as well as any third-party candidates that are prominent as well. We think that cybersecurity and cyber warfare will likely play an important role in our uh, in our nation and military's history from this point forward. There's no way around it. It is the wave of the future. Boots on the ground for war may not be as prevalent when and if we ever go to war again as cyber is. Sit tight. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about relations between the United States and China. Are you subscribed to this podcast? If not, please do so on iTunes and at advancedpersistentsecurity.net slash podcast. Thank you for hanging out through the break. We're back to discuss U.S. and China cyber relations. It's not really been a secret that they've not been warm, cordial at best. The meeting this week between President Obama and President Jinping didn't do much to thaw it out, according to people who had inside information on it, specifically the Deputy National Security Advisor for Strategic Communications. He kind of talked down the expectations that they would reach some type of agreement in the wake of state-sponsored cyber attacks against DOD networks. The meeting concluded, and Ben Rhodes stated that he did not want to suggest that, you know, we've reached an arms control agreement here, that he implied something was signed. It's symbolic and really doesn't do a whole lot, kind of like a pledge. There was an extensive cybersecurity agreement signed between China and Russia that requires each side to not conduct attacks against each other. There's also an information sharing agreement in there. So China refusing to sign an agreement prohibiting attacking each other basically says that China is waging cyber warfare against the United States. And it's vague, and according to New York Times, President Jinping was quoted as saying, the Chinese government will not, in whatever form, engage in commercial theft and hacking against government networks. Are crimes punished in accordance with the law and relevant international treaties. Basically, it says there's no international law and in a way it holds any weight. With the Russians, the agreement's a little bit different. And there's definitely a rift forming between the U.S., China, Russia, North Korea. The next world war will more than likely start through non-kinetic means. A logical inference would be a marriage between China and Russia can only mean more state-sponsored attacks between the U.S. in the next decade, which in turn could escalate into something more. That's it for this topic. Sit tight for the special announcement. Don't forget to check out our blog at advancedpersistentsecurity.net slash blog. Follow us on Twitter at advpersistentsec and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash advancedpersistentsecurity. Advanced Persistent Security is happy to let you know that you can now purchase our IT security services and training through our website. Our IT security services consist of policy review, policy revision, policy drafting, security awareness training, 
customized for your organization. Security Awareness Posters, which is a subscription service that you pay $25 a month, and we produce marketing materials for you so that you can run a security awareness program. We also offer security implementation for security devices such as firewalls and intrusion detection systems. And finally, we offer vulnerability management. This is a scenario when you have too many vulnerabilities or too complex vulnerabilities that you cannot remediate yourself. You grant us the access and a VPN account. We will log in and remediate the machines to your specification. We guarantee our work. We will validate that the changes have been made. Go to advancedpersistentsecurity.net slash sales and take a look. Email sales at advancedpersistentsecurity.net with any questions you may have. We look forward to doing business with you. And don't forget, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the blog, stay in the loop. More things are coming. Don't forget, we also have a mailing list. Please subscribe to it and we will email you all major updates for the company. Thank you for listening to the Advanced Persistent Security Podcast. Until next time, stay secure and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast.